Welcome to the Unsupervised Mom Podcast, a weekly conversation about the grins and grime of single motherhood while learning to navigate it God's way. I'm your host, Javon Brown, Christian leader, educator, business owner, and most importantly, mom. I'm not a single mom expert. I'm an expert at being the type of mom God has called me to be. And so are you. I know that God wants us to excel in everything we do. And this includes parenting, even while going at it seemingly unsupervised. For more insights and inspiration, follow the unsupervised mom on Instagram and take this journey with me. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a Christian pastor, counselor, or physician. Hey, mamas, you ever just sit and have a come to Jesus moment and find yourself completely wrapped up in his wonder? Like, God, you really do love me this much. Like you literally fix every fight for me to win. Like who does that? And who goes that hard for you and doesn't ask, but that you love him with everything that makes up amazing you and then extend this love towards others as a blueprint for living life as God did and does. I have found myself silenced by God in pockets of moments that I least expected him to show up. It was not that I didn't have prior evidence of God showing up, but sometimes we forget the evidence when we are crowded by circumstances. My recent come to Jesus moment didn't happen because of a Jiminy Cricket whispering, remember when, but it did start with a jarring revelation my daughter springboarded for me. Let's face it, mothering while single comes with a lot of talking that in real time cannot possibly be divided between you and the other parent, the absent, the non-existent parent, the neglecting parent, or in some cases, the late or deceased parent. I mean, don't forget or pick up this and that reminders, questions about homework, reminding them to bathe, cleaning up the room, correction for whatever may have come out of their mouths, Can you do me a favors, shut the tech down, chew before you choke, like all of the sorts of things that come with having to communicate 24-7. Talking can be exhausting. And if you are anything like me, which is introverted, yes, believe it or not, I'm easily drained by overly social interactions and a quiet book corner enthusiast. I am also a let me go and pray type of king's kid so then talking legit takes emotional stretching when it's based in bringing about discipline alongside all the rainbowy love that all children should have a balance of one day recently I was doing a lot of talking I mean a lot my daughter was just having a hard time listening which has been an ongoing growth point for her to be transparent and transparency is important And it isn't that she lacks respect or blatantly refuses to listen, but it's as if she has an art canvas at work in her mind. And when spoken to, she has to stop the paintbrush, dip it in the water, lay the colors aside, and whatever else comes with stopping the flood of activity in her mind before actually listening. And sometimes I don't have the patience to wait for the activity to cease. I gave her specific instructions to keep her close to the small list of responsibilities that she manages well with help and reminders, of course. But this particular day, I did not have much in me to be the super reminder mom and really needed her to own that she was capable. She was supposed to be cleaning up her room, and I listed a series of tasks I figured she'd easily recall and hop to because all of what I was re- recommending was right in front of her. 
put away your laundry piece by piece, starting with your undergarments, then do your shirts, straighten up your bed after you put your toys away. You know, things that don't seem to require a lot of additional reminding. It did not help that I was already spent from talking her through and about other certain things earlier in the day. But I think my fuse fired when she did not finish anything. She was responsible for finishing up in her room with specific respect to the laundry and instead became distracted with television. In her mind, she took care of the few toys that were out, fixed up her blanket, made it look neater than what it once was, but the clothes were still everywhere. And she was comfortably nestled in between them as if they became the blanket she folded, eyes affixed to her tablet. When I went to check on her, I stared at the clothes, I shifted back and forth in my mind about how she thought it more important to watch and to finish what I asked her to do, and I became instantly frustrated. It was not until after I fussed about why the clothes were not yet away that we both came to a point of, oh, I didn't know that. I was already under a weight of tiredness that she could not understand. Our children do not see the mental emotional load we carry on a day-to-day -day basis. And to expect them to understand what they cannot tangibly relate to is unfair and somewhat unrealistic. To see the clothes not put away automatically made me feel like it was yet another task I was going to have to eventually take on because in my mind, she was deflecting responsibility. I mean, how hard is it to put her clothes away, right? I've showed her how to do it many times before, and I, in that moment, just didn't have it in me to understand. I'm over here sweeping, mopping, preparing food, lunches for the next day, checking emails, responding to calls and messages, watering plants, putting away my own clothes, and all I asked her to do was put away her laundry. She stared at me silently, big brown eyes, still as a deer caught in headlights, and I was somewhere stuck between the frustration and confusion at that point. When I retreated from the fuss, she said, mommy, I get easily overwhelmed when it feels like I have a lot to do and it's all staring at me. I start to feel crowded and like it makes me want to not do anything. I'm not like you. I don't move as fast as you do and I really needed a break. Well, I shuddered. I had to ask myself, have I been communicating with her in a way that leads her to believe I want her to do things as I do and be as I am versus showing her how to manage what she can according to who God designed her to be? A jarring revelation indeed. I was now the deer in headlights and we became two deer just trying to find language to return to. I humbled myself and apologized for not helping her to manage her responsibility in a way that works for her versus me only seeing it as a thing that was working for me because it would get done. It was not hard to apologize, but it was hard knowing I was now holding something else that I needed to have to go before God with. While there is beauty in going to the Father to address what of us really needs to be on the altar, it's really hard when you are the thing that needs to be on the altar. And in this moment, I had to take responsibility for my emotional state and stick the shovel in the ground to dig up some stuff that got me there. I learned in that moment that I, in one respect, thought I was teaching her responsibility, but was leaving my parenting behavior unchecked. Sometimes God will use your children to bring correction to you, even if they are not using language that blatantly corrects you. If and when you are tethered to God, he knows exactly how to show you you. He gives you a mirror so that you can go to him about you and become better in the process. 
it's so crazy how God is still raising us even while we are raising the children he gave us. I sucked the air out of the room with my frustration and she let the air back in with her truth. Had it not been for that, I would not have been amazed by her bravery and expressing herself clearly while working through the darts that were coming for her. Who am I to not ask questions before making conclusions about a situation? My assessment was poor and I allowed my frustration to get the best of me because I was just focused on getting tasks done and didn't stop to ask what happened. In moments, mama, when your emotions are pervading your ability to respond in a way that does not exhibit patience, love, trust, and safety, it's important to stop and ask questions. And I believe God models this for us in Genesis after Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. Eden was predicated on God's government, sobriety, his safety, his love, perfection and balance, his order and justice discipline and boundaries. It was an example of God's creativity and establishment at pure work. God gave Adam and Eve specific instructions for how to live in the abundance that was Eden. And I love how the New Living Translation spells it out this way. In Genesis chapter two, verses eight through nine, 15 through 18, and in Genesis chapter three, eight through 13, we get a really awesome story. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So down the story, we see when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Upon knowing they were naked, God did not rebuke them or rob them of their agency. He asked them four questions and in between gave them an opportunity to be open with him about where they were. Mamas, when our children do not display behaviors or characteristics that model what we are working hard for them to display, ask questions first and give them an opportunity to respond so you can gauge their mental and emotional placement. So what types of questions should we ask, right? Well, in the first question, we see that God's first question was based on emotional discovery. He asked Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was in terms of proximity location, but he wanted Adam to name where he was in heart. Adam replied to God based on a behavior that he decided upon because of guilt that he carried. Our first question should always be one that gauges where our children are emotionally 
God then asked the question based on an assessment of knowledge. Who told you that you were naked? God knew that Adam was made in his image and an awareness of nakedness could only come with a breach in the knowledge that he gave him. Adam learned something about himself that did not come from who created him. Mamas, when you have a better understanding of where your children are emotionally, then you can assess what they are believing about themselves that led them to the space that they were led to, so to speak. God then asks a clarifying question. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Again, God knew what Adam did in order to learn of his own nakedness, but Adam was being held accountable for what he did without losing his sonship. He was given an opportunity to name explicitly what happened and not based on a thing wrong with him, but based on an action he took from a lie he attached himself to. Mamas, our children were given to us by God. And because we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity, they are going to come with some beliefs about themselves that we did not intentionally teach them to own. And there might be some beliefs that come attached to them over time based on experiences. And let's not forget the other set of DNA that they do harbor that we have no control of. But when we are clear about their emotional state and have assessed their knowledge, we get to then create communicative safety. God then asks one final question before rebuking the very reason Adam and Eve fell. What have you done? This was a responsibility facing question. Now that God was aware of their emotional state, he was aware of the breach in their rooted knowledge and offered them a means to give explicit detail about the breach, it was safe enough to show where responsibility faltered in order to bring about correction. Mamas, it's healthy to correct our children. It's also healthy to hold them accountable, but it is not healthy to ignore the process of correction. I'm not saying there are no moments when the process of correction is shorter or more severe. There are many cases where it absolutely needs to be. But this is an overall lesson on how important it is to place a mirror in front of ourselves when we are bringing about correction in our home and in our lives and consider for models how God brings about correction. We get to ask ourselves, am I projecting fear? Am I communicating in a way that makes my child or children feel safe? Do my children feel heard? Do I display use of healthy emotional and spiritual intelligence? Why am I so angry? What's really bothering me? And what do I need to get to God so order can be restored in me? You see, God wants us to be better at mothering while seemingly unsupervised. And sometimes it means taking a good long look at how we are going about doing a thing versus just going about doing a thing. He doesn't want us to approach each day in the same way we did the day before, unless, of course, it's working for our good. Daily prayer meditation, daily engagement and study of his word, daily time with him, working out, getting our bodies moving, getting our minds under subjection, taking care of home, taking good care of our kids. Yes, these are dailies we get to keep up with, but there are some dailies that go unchecked because it's hard to see ourselves in a mirror that we are possibly without a free hand to metaphorically hold and see into. 
I reconciled with my daughter and then went to God to reconcile with him. I had to go get fixed so I could continue being better at being the mom that I've been called to be. We are built for this beautifully messy thing called unsupervised motherhood. We can do it. And you, you mama, you can keep doing it because you are not alone in the rearing that is happening through you and to you. God cares that much to position you to be better, even at the expense of the revelation and restoration coming after unplanned deer and headlight conversations. I leave you with two scriptures to tack to your mirror. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that you, mama, may be competent and equipped for every good work. And Romans 15 and 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Go ahead, mama. Go look in the mirror and see the daily unfolding beauty that is you. That's it for this week, but that's not all. If you have some ideas about what you'd like to see featured on the podcast, let me know. I have some sweet plans, but your input is welcome. Feel free to send an email to hello at theunsupervisedmom.com. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at theunsupervisedmom, where this important conversation is in full color. The official hashtag for the podcast is hashtag unsupervisedmomlife. I'm your host, Javon Brown, and I'd love for you to subscribe and tell your single mom friends to do the same. Go on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify to download the show and catch the weekly episodes. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. And remember, Mama, you are she, seen, heard, and enough. I love you. And most importantly, Jesus loves you. Later, y'all.